Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome back. 6.43 is your time this morning, and today the History Colorado State Historians Council will host a roundtable to discuss the Ku Klux Klan's influence in our state. History Colorado recently digitized KKK ledgers, making them accessible to researchers everywhere. Our social equity reporter Micah Smith explains how this move will support racial reconciliation. The Ku Klux Klan's history in Colorado is extensive. And tangible proof of that history can be found on the pages of these ledgers. Here at History Colorado, uh, in our collection, we have KKK ledgers from 1924 to 1926 uh, in the Denver area. History Colorado Chief Operating Officer Don DePrince says they've been in the museum's collection since the 1940s. Recently, we have digitized those letters so that they are more accessible to the public and the searchable nature of them helps researchers and the public uh, come to some understandings around what's in these ledgers. One of the most shocking discoveries within these ledgers is the number of entries. There are 30,000 between these two books. Do you really get a grasp of how widespread and pervasive um, this, this was in, in our city. DePrince says the ledgers show where Klan members lived and worked. And that can really help you see how this was woven into much of public life and structures of power. We cannot do the anti-racist work that we need to be doing if we cannot confront this type of evidence of, of our past. DePrince says these relics continue to inform us of who we are which is imperative when thinking about how Coloradans can move forward. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed? I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media, Evergreen Podcast, and Killer Podcast production. On this week's episode, we are going to go back a full century to the days when Denver was overrun by a bunch of redneck Klansmen. I was inspired to learn more after listening to the episode The Black Klansman from the phenomenal podcast Stuff You Should Know, and I was really unaware of how big of an influence this group of cowards was in such a progressive state like Colorado. Now, luckily, the city has not tried to deny the influence, and there are many documents out there that support the belief that the Klan was in charge. I used a bunch of great resources. All links can be found in the show notes. I'm going to work through this episode with the help of AP writer Elsie Schmelzer, who wrote a great piece back in 2021. I will, again, have a link for her article in the show notes. And she has some pictures there that any Denverite would find disturbing, to say the least. So in Greater Denver in the 1920s, According to the History of Colorado, they own and they hold two Ku Klux Klan membership books 
for Greater Denver and the area beyond. So the information found inside, which was collected for administrative purposes around 1924 through 1926, dates the peak of the Klan's influence in Colorado. Together, they have nearly 30,000 entries across more than 1,300 pages that record the names and other personal details, such as the home and business addresses of people affiliated with the KKK in metropolitan Denver, as well as other areas. While the first 69 entries appear to be missing, the ledgers otherwise appear to be completely intact. Again, you can find those on History Colorado website. So the KKK was active in Denver in the 1920s, and that, again, is according to the Colorado Encyclopedia. Now, by the mid-1920s, the KKK had risen to power in Colorado, where it gained control of not only the state legislature, the governor's office, the Denver mayor's office, the Denver Police Department, and many members of the statewide Protestant community. The KKK's takeover of Denver and the powers that be is something that is still felt today. Now, the agenda of the KKK was to promote white supremacy and anti-immigrant sentiment. According to the Denver Post, about a third of Denver's white U.S.-born men were part of the Klan at its height in Colorado. As I mentioned before, there were 30,000 names in documents, and again, this was part of this political machine. So, you had Denver's mayor, police chief, judges, state senators, and representatives. All were on the bankroll of the Klan. So, again, you have this city that you see today as a progressive place. But back 100 years ago, that was the opposite of what we stand for today. Again, according to the Denver Post, these documents of those men that the Klan's political machine installed were, you know, Klan members that were sponsored candidates and controlled by the Colorado State House and Senate. The Office of Secretary of State, a state Supreme Court judgeship, seven benches on Denver District Court, and city councils in some Colorado towns. Now, again, according to the Colorado Encyclopedia, the KKK gained power in Colorado by exploiting the anxieties of white Protestants who felt threatened by the influx of immigrants and the changing social order. The Klan's political machine installed Klansmen in positions of power that would not cease otherwise. Denver was supposed to be, this is an article that I mentioned earlier from Elsie Schmelzer, and again, Denver was supposed to be a better place. This is reading verbatim from her article. In the 1920s, leaders from the prior decade promised to clean up crime and corruption and eliminate drinking. Nationally, World War I was supposed to be the war to end all wars. Quote, and it all flopped, according to Denver historian Phil Goodstein. Quote, there is this extreme anxiety, especially in Denver, that something just isn't right. It was also a time when black people in Denver were moving into white neighborhoods and the city's immigrant population was growing, including Jewish and Catholic communities. These changes made the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, who held 
long had long held power in the city, Anglo-Saxon Protestants who had long held power in the city, nervous, Goodstein said. So here comes the KKK. The Klan of the 1920s was distinct in some ways from the organization that was created and terrorized the South in the 1860s after the Civil War and was responsible for lynching hundreds and suppressing the black vote. This Klan largely disappeared from the public view by the 1870s. So the second wave of the Klan, which began in 1915 under new leaders, was inspired in part by the movie The Birth of a Nation, which glorified the Reconstruction-era Klan's actions and falsely recast the terrorist organization as a patriotic defender of law and order. While still fervent believers in white supremacy, the second iteration of the KKK expanded its targets to include Catholics, Jews, and immigrants of any kind. This new clan was far more organized. So we can thank the birth of a nation for uh, many terrible things in this country. And if you want to listen and think about this stuff a little bit deeper, it rings a little bell, doesn't it? Sounds a bit too familiar. Keep your eyes and ears open when you're hearing some of the things that people are trying to tell you, and that includes social media and people in the government. Quote, the Klan had a cafeteria of appeals, Goldberg said. They would go into a community and find out what the problem was and how they could sell themselves to that community. So Denver was a white Protestant majority and they saw public safety and bootlegging, as well as immigration, as major problems. People joined the Klan for a range of reasons, according to Goodstein. Political opportunists from both parties wanted to use membership to their political advantage. Others wanted to be a part of a quasi-secret society and relished the ritualism and feeling of participating in something with a patriotic aura. Sound familiar? Anyway, quote, they realized that those with great power and fortunes received an inordinate share of society's honors, while most politicians were bought puppets of the ruling elite. This was written in Goodstein's book, In the Shadow of the Klan. Quote, but they never questioned the essential setup. On the contrary, they turned their wrath on those who sought equality with them, an intense, an intense patriotism and religiosity filled voids in their social and psychic makeups. Denver's clan began secretly in well-connected circles, but soon went public and spread to thousands of middle-class households. And this is according to Goldberg. Working-class neighborhoods tended to have higher membership rates because those people were more likely to live near or work with immigrants, Jews, Catholics, and blacks, said Tom Noel, who is the director of public history preservation and Colorado studies at the University of Colorado, Denver. And this was during the discussion hosted by History Colorado. Schmelzer goes on to say that although the Klan sometimes painted itself as a volunteer and social organization, 
Its exclusionary and white supremacist ideals were plainly iterated in its writings. The, quote, creed of the Ku Klux Klan, as printed on January 31st, 1925, in the Boulder KKK publication, The Rocky Mountain American, states that one of the organization's core principles was white supremacy and limitation of foreign immigration. As I mentioned before, there were 30,000 members of a 107,000 population white people. So we're talking about a third of people in this city. And of course, these people are also joined by their wives because there were at least 11,000 women who had joined clan groups in Colorado. Now, the largest was in Denver and with the largest chapter in Denver, said Joe Betty... <clears throat> and though their names aren't in the ledgers, at least 11,000 women joined Klan groups in Colorado, with the largest chapter in Denver, said Betty Jo Brenner, who is working on a book on the women of the Klan. Under the leadership of John Galen Locke, Grand Dragon in Colorado, the Klan quickly grew in power and took up positions in the city, state, and federal governments, as well as rank-and-file jobs in those systems. The ledgers that are now in possession of the Colorado Historical Society show that at least 186 Klansmen worked for the city of Denver, not including the 53 police officers and 37 firefighters a Denver Post review found. Elsie goes on to say that the influence extended beyond the government. More than 40 Klan members listed hospitals as their workplace, as well then as well as more than a dozen Klansmen who said they worked for public, middle, and high schools or the school board. Think about that for a second. Wow. At least 45 Klansmen listed a local newspaper as their employer, including 19 who said they worked for the Denver Post. It wasn't clear what roles they played. Wow. I live about... Eight miles from where the Klan met regularly in the foothills. And this is where they burned crosses that could be seen for miles. They would host picnics and car races and frequently marched. Few acts of physical violence have actually been directly tied to the Denver KKK during this time. But the organization did wage a campaign of intimidation through rhetoric. waged a campaign of intimidation through letter writing and cross burnings. It also pressured members to not shop at stores not owned by Klansmen and to fire employees who wouldn't or couldn't join the KKK. So the Klan fizzled out in 1925 after Locke was jailed in connection to tax evasion, a contradiction to the man of law and order he pretended to be. His downfall and the failure of the Klansmen in the legislature to pass bills related to the KKK's goals, like repealing the State Civil Rights Act, contributed to the KKK's diminishment. Contributed to the KKK's dis- contributed to the KKK's diminishment in Denver. Quote, the Klan was not defeated in Denver, Goldberg said, noting there was never any broad uprising against the group. Quote, the Klan died of self-inflicted wounds. So you see a lot of crazy stuff here. And again, 
this is a pretty progressive state. I would be shocked to see a parade of Klansmen marching down Larimer Street, which you can see from Elsie's article. And again, that's how they intimidated people. They would basically march, put on their hoods, and look like a bunch of terrorists. When they first got here, this is according to the Colorado Statesman, the first year that the KKK had been organized and its first official act was to get American residents here to sign a petition to the French government asking the deportation of all colored Americans. The Klan, it said, will seek to affect this through the cooperation of the American embassy. The anti-Negro feeling of white Americans here is nothing new, neither is their resentment of the fact that French people consider them as equals and threaten, accordingly, the Negro population here. But the flames of hatred have been fanned recently by the exploits of two colored men who soundly thrashed and deeply humiliated three American whites when the latter attempted to introduce Jim Crow laws unofficially and independent of the French government and people. Influential American whites had the colored men locked up on a charge of assault, but they were released when the colored men showed war service papers. The American whites thereupon resorted to spreading the most vicious and unfounded lies against these, quote, colored men. They alleged that one of them, Dick Bullard, was outlawed from the French Aviation Service during the War of Cowardice, or during the War for Cowardice, in refusing to attack German lines. Bullard is credited with having accounted for two of the whites. So that is what they wrote in 1923. Again, disturbing as all get out. And another idea that this stuff is still, unfortunately, out there, because you can see it on TV nowadays. It's spread through social media. Hate is something that is taught. Uh, Remember that. If your child is someone who hates people and hates history, hates knowing what it is that we have done to our country, why it is that we have organizations, terrorist organizations, such as the Klan, what it is the Klan stood for, and what we did to take over this country. All these things are important. We don't need to pretend like these things did not happen because, of course, they did. And sure, again, the city of Denver would hope that this would be not something in their history, but unfortunately, it is. So what we have today is the 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Again, They're chanting, Jews will not replace us, and other Nazi nationalist slogans. These are situations where we really need to be on the ball and be aware of how quickly these things can be influenced. I mean, look at how quickly the Klan took over the city of Denver. In a matter of three years, they were in charge of every position of power. Therefore, they held over everyone's head 
whether you were black, Jewish, Catholic, they hated you. They were going to do nothing to help you in this society. It's important to always remember our history. It's important to remember the fact that in Grand Junction of all places, they were getting called out, the KKK was, for basically letting the same thing happen. Now, you can say that this happened before Denver, but in an article from 1923 in Grand Junction, headlined, Grand Junction has paid its first price of blood in blood for an incompetent city administration. The article goes on to read and state, the Ku Klux Klan, in its insistence upon and through its complete domination of local municipal affairs, is now the dead man was guilty. He has broken the prohibition jaw, and it was up to him to pay a penalty for the presence of the three small bottles of white mule found in his car. But the law did not exact a toll of death. Offering no protest or resistance, the two men in the car, one of whom is now dead and the other injured, submitted to a search. The story of what happened in the next few minutes was told at the inquest. Cordova was shot through the back, and after he crumpled over on the steering wheel, he was shot again. The Sentinel deals with who is really to blame. Here and now, the Sentinel charges that this killer could have been and would have been avoided if an experienced officer had been on the job. The whole affair was and ended in a tragedy and stood while interested smiles wreathed the faces of the members of the largest and the most incompetent police force the city ever had. All of them were both day and night officers. They did not want to miss the show. And in the Sentinel's opinion, the city was just as well. It was an interesting scene in the courtroom. As one looked over the big room and realized the affiliations with a great secret order, that not half a dozen, but perhaps two score of the occupants of that room would have to confess to if they were forced to tell the truth. The Grand Junction Police Department, the one absolutely necessary requirement, including the police court, the chief of police, and every official and committee having to do with this department, is under complete control of the Ku Klux Klan. Membership of the Grand Junction Police Force is the badge of the Ku Klux Klan, that they are members of this organization, and from the top down, they are taking their orders from exalted cyclops of the KKK. It is a deplorable condition, more than it is an outrageous condition. Never were there so many special and private officials. Never were there so many stool pigeons on the force and amateur gunmen. And yet, there was never commissions permitting them to carry guns. The chief of police and Mesa County, at the behest of the exalted Ku Klux Klan, to men who should not even be permitted to carry pocket knives and who never had any real responsibilities. A degree of careless irresponsibility pervade the whole situation. In the courtroom yesterday, Klan leaders were frequently consulted, 
private, specially commissioned clan gunmen strutted in and out. It was really a gala occasion for some of these clan officials, both regular and special. And some of the clan leaders even advised the officer who did the killing not to go on the witness stand. The community, as man's religion or race may be when it comes to the administering of the law, the working of hardships or the granting of favors, and the part of the power that has its fingers entwined about the throat of this municipal today. People are made to keep silent by threats. Automobiles of law-abiding citizens searched by special spies of the Klan organization were merely an adjunct to the KKK and in the corridors of the city jail would not stand for a single moment if the public knew all of the facts. What is true of the police department is that the special tool of so far the Ku Klux Klan domination is concerned is true of other city departments, except in a more modified and far less reprehensible manner. The Klan uses this department to enforce its ideas, punish its enemies, and reward its friends. And an exemplification of the power of the invisible empire as operated locally. And it is time to say that the city, the complete control of the Ku Klux Klan, the tragedy of Sunday night is simply an incident. A man violated a law and an officer killed him. And on the back of incompetency is the Ku Klux Klan in this city. There you have it. There are a few examples of how the KKK managed to run roughshod over Denver. Of course, this was just a very, very, very tip of the iceberg when it came to the discussion about this organization and its involvement in the city. I did my research. I did try to find any bit of violence that was connected to this organization during that time period, but was unable to find it. Now, I do ask anybody who does have any of that information to feel free to share it with me, and then you can do so at Huffman at SlowBurnMedia.com. On that note, there you have it. The KKK once ran the city of Denver, as it did many of cities in the South and Midwest. So let's just hope that this country does not fall into the same trap that we fell into after World War I. Because guess what? Making America great again is not what we want to be doing. We want to make America better than what it is and better than what it has been. Because in a country that is so divided, all we can do is look back, reflect, and try our best not to make the same mistakes. Thank you again for joining me this week on Who Killed? As you know, I drop new episodes every Friday. If you are interested in following me on social, you can do so at X, Twitter, whatever, at BillHuffman3, or on Instagram at slow, that's S-L-O underscore burn media. And again, thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to learn more, 
please visit the links in the show notes as this is a very interesting and disturbing aspect of this city's history. So again, until next time, as always, stay healthy and be safe. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Kearns, and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far, we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons, and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.